Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Calmetta here and Susan Davis. And for today's show, the title is Satan and Hell. What does the Bible have to say? So, Susan, that's a very interesting title. Right. And so what we're doing with this show today is we're going to take a look at Satan and Hell based on what the Bible has to say about this topic. And there's a lot of speculation about the topic. There's a lot of people who have seen things and that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm not trying to invalidate people's dreams and visions and actual encounters and things of that nature. But today, we're really just going to get right into the scripture and see, you know, because the Bible does talk about this topic. And so we're going to take a look at this first clip that we have, which deals with with Revelation chapter 20, which talks a little bit more about Satan. So let's take a listen, Dina. But now we're going to start with this wonderful chapter 20, and we're going to begin with verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, bound him a thousand years. And then verse 3 says, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Okay, so that's a whole bunch of stuff there, and we're going to break that down, kind of discuss it a little bit. Now, you know, some people believe this angel right here is Jesus Christ, the one who has the key to the bottomless pit and, you know, takes back the key from the enemy and places him into the bottomless pit. And I have to agree with that thinking, Dina, and I'll tell you why. Because if we go to chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 18, it reads this. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. And so I just happen to believe that this is actually Jesus who comes and takes hold of the enemy. Very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, other people have other interpretations that it was an actual angel, but that's just me. It's just my my thinking that, you know, he's the one who can actually deal with that kind of evil, you know. Now, in verse 2, interestingly enough, we see four identities for the enemy. And one is dragon, and we often see, you know, Satan as the dragon. Also, the serpent, we see that used for him quite a bit and represented by the snake in the Garden of Eden. And we see the name Satan, which that name, for anybody who wants to know, translates to mean slander, which is directly related to the scripture that says he is the accuser of the brethren, okay? And then we go and we see the other name for him, devil. So if you translated the meaning of devil, that means adversary or foe, okay? So that's, you know, the other various meanings of his name. And so for some reason, we hear a lot of names there. Also, we see that he's put into the bottomless pit. 
And so if you want, we can go back into chapter 9, and I'm heading back to chapter 9 uh, in my Bible to talk about the bottomless pit, because we had talked about that before. And so we'll do a quickie review of that, and we just go right to chapter 9, verse 1. Okay. And so if you go back, it says in verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven and unto earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And so we see this in reference to a scripture previously in the Bible about Lucifer. And it says here, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down? to the ground which didst weaken the nations for thou hast said in thine heart i will ascend into heaven and i will exalt my throne above the stars of god i will sit also upon the mountain the mount of congregation in the sides of the north i will ascend above the heights of the clouds i will be like the most high wow was this guy full of pride or what okay um little bit prideful little bit okay and then Jesus declares in Luke ten eighteen that he beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And that other section we see in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, about details on Lucifer, which is another name for the devil. And in verse 2 of chapter 9, it says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun of the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And this is the point in the Bible. It's the fifth trumpet where we see these locusts. Remember we talked about those locusts that are released onto the earth and they have those great stings and they create so much havoc for men. Like the men can't die, but they just get stung by these things, right? For five months. They're tortured for five months. right. Right. So that's just a reminder that this is the place where those locusts come out of there, the bottomless pit. And the Greek says the pit of the abyss is found about nine times in the New Testament. Uh, It's a prison or a place of restraint. And we see that's what we call this, the abyss. So just a little reminder of what that is. And verse 3 says, he's cast into the bottomless pit, shut up, there's a seal upon him that he's not going to deceive the nations until a thousand years should be fulfilled. And then he's loosed for a little season. Okay, so he will be in that bottomless pit for the thousand year millennial reign of Jesus Christ during that period. And then he's released for a little season. So we'll be talking about that next, okay? Okay. And just why he's released and what that's about. But for uh, all practical purposes, we're going to move forward. All right. So we heard some more about the Bible's explanation of Satan. And there's other places in the Bible you can go to and see more information on that. But we're going to go ahead and move forward and look closer at what the Bible actually has to say about hell. And I think you're going to be surprised because I think a lot of people don't understand exactly about hell. But let's take a listen of this next clip and we go back into Revelation chapter 20 for more information. Let's go forward to verse 7. and. 
when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and it ate and shall go out to deceive the nations, which are the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And so at this juncture, I think it would behoove me to talk about Satan and exactly how he operates and a little bit more about, you know, some things people don't seem to realize or understand about him. So he is right now. As we speak, he's the God of this world system. And we can see that in Ephesians 2.2. And also, he is a ruler in these heavens. And how do we know this? Because we have gone back into the book of Job. And when we read the story of Job, which we won't go into too much detail, but we see that, that he is actually at the throne with God talking about Job and saying, you know, God says to Satan, we'll take my man Job here and look at his upright life. And Satan challenges God and says, well, if you took all the good things away from him that you've given him, he would curse you to your face. And so they have this challenge about Job and his life. And of course, we know how that story ends. But there he is, Satan is at the throne And God even says, where have you been? And he says, he's walking about the earth, going to and fro on the earth, Satan says Mm -hmm. to God. Mm -hmm. And so we see that he has this incredible vantage point that he is the prince of the power of the air among the prince and the principalities of the air, which are his, you know, follower minions, the fallen angels. That was a third of the angels fell with him. They are not redeemable by the blood of Christ, by the way. They are irredeemable, most likely because they had lived with God in heaven and been part of that and still were corrupted, okay? So for a period of time, from the beginning of the time of this earth until, get this, the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, something happens And then Satan is thrown down to the earth by God at the midpoint of the tribulation, three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation. Satan loses his vantage point of being able to go to and from heaven and that area of the, you know, the air, I guess you would call it heavens one and two, that sort of thing. But he is thrown down to the earth. And so for three and a half years, he is confined to operate on in and on the earth. And that's exactly the point when the Antichrist pulls back the peace pact that he's made, the false peace. And that's when war comes about. And that's, you know, about the point that the Antichrist is assassinated and is resurrected and probably, you know, has Satan is probably completely taken over the Antichrist at that juncture, okay? Because he's already pretty mad at this point. And so we see that situation leading up to the end of the seven-year tribulation where Satan then is thrown into the abyss, 
where it says, you know, we saw that there's a seal and that he's held there for a thousand years, Dina. And here's the interesting thing. But then he's released for a little season, the Bible says. Okay. And people often ask, you know, because it's peaceful for that thousand years because the devil is locked away. So why does God allow this beast to come back on the earth and make trouble again? Everything was nice, but I think I know the answer. But I'll, of course, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, I'm sure you know the answer. And so I just want to mention, though, the misconception that Satan is operating in hell all this time with, you know, a red outfit with a pitchfork. And <laughs> well, I, I think people really believe that. But... No, I laugh because he comes as an angel of light. He's not wearing no little red suit and a pitchfork, but people actually think that. That's true. Right. And so the, the reality is that he has been up in the heavens connecting with God, and he is the accuser of the brethren. So he goes before the Lord and accuses the brethren night and day, the scripture says. And so when he's thrown down to earth, they celebrate in the heavens at that point, probably because they're tired of him constantly accusing the brethren. Okay, that might be part of it, but that's what we see happening. And then he is thrown into the pit and he's put there, chained up for this period of a thousand year reign while Jesus takes over the earth again for a thousand years. And yeah, you have asked, okay, what in the world is going on? And I think you know, and the answer is free will, right? Yes, yes, because there's going to be people that are going to make it through the seven-year tribulation and during that millennial kingdom they're going to have children and those children are going to need to make a choice right right for jesus and so right because it's required that people make a decision they will have to choose and unfortunately here's the answer here is the answer and it's right in verse eight and boy is it a shocking answer it says and that Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. To battle who? To battle the saints of God who are, you know, under the auspices of Jesus Christ. That would be the church and the beloved city in uh, Jerusalem. And so they come to battle together against God and his people, and the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, Dina. So he is able to deceive a lot of people. Once again, he does it again. But this is the thing, because in those days, Jesus would have been ruling in Jerusalem. Correct, Susan? Mm -hmm. Correct. So they would have seen, for the most part, Jesus uh-huh. in the flesh. Right. So they would have seen the miracles, you know. They would have seen that they would have, have experienced the peace and the beauty and the perfection in that thousand years that they were on earth. So right. when he, if, if he is able to deceive these people who have right. seen Jesus, you know, because he's going to rule with mm-hmm. a rod of iron, right? That's right. That's so right. Th- 
it's amazing to me that people can be deceived like that when they would have, you know, been able, it's going to be way different. Jesus will be in the flesh. Well, and here's the thing, Dina, the judgment of God for this group, that's the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, will be swift because fire comes down from God out of heaven and it devours them immediately as they're gathering around, you know, to take the city by storm, the fire comes down from heaven and it consumes them. Okay. So God, he pretty much not going to take any prisoners here. They're, they're just... And this is another thing. They know that this is going to happen because the word of God is still going to be on the earth in those days. I I believe so. So I don't know if they just skip read that section or or didn't bother. I don't know. But wow, once again, Satan eludes the people and they follow him and now this would not be the fallen angels are not even among this group because the fallen angels would would be you know chained up and locked away no this is just the devil and people right human beings yeah right right and so verse 10 says and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are the beast being the antichrist and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and so we'll go forward and we'll hear a little more about that but it's just you know a statement saying that this is going on and let's go ahead further down into verse 11 and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no, found no place for them. Okay, so we might come back to that scripture, but right now, that individual is Jesus, okay? And so we're going to learn more about that, how I know that's Jesus, as we move forward. Verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So this great white throne judgment is for the judgment of the evil men that were put away in hell during the thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth who had done evil in their lifetimes before Jesus reigned over the earth, okay? And so we're going to take a look at this further. This is a very telling book of the Bible, chapter 20, and explains a lot. So verse 13 says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Yeah, because there are probably plenty of dead bodies in the sea, by the way. And death, which is the grave. Okay, in this scripture it says, And death, that's meaning the grave, the dead body, the physical dead body. And hell delivered up the dead, and we're talking about the soul, which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And verse 14 says, And death, the body, and the soul, hell, were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Okay, so these individuals suffer two deaths, the ones who are evil. First, they're put in hell, and then they're put in the lake of fire. And that's considered the second death. So their first death is their original death, and they're sent to hell. 
And we're going to, I'm going to get into this, but first verse 15 says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so it's very important that we pray to have our names written in the book of life. Okay. And so those who are written in the book of life will be overlooked for all of this evil coming up and all of the judgment okay and so who is the judge here who makes the who calls the shots who is the decision maker well it is jesus himself and let me go forward to show you some scripture about that because if you look at john chapter 5 verse 22 it says for the father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgments unto the son okay so there it is it is not the father it is Jesus himself who's the judge, okay? And then John 5.27 goes on to say, The Father hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Okay, so then we go further into Acts 17.31, and it says, He hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead and that man he's referring to is god's man uh, jesus christ and so he gives jesus the reins when it comes to judging the dead the evil dead isn't that interesting very interesting and so let's go forward and we need to just really understand about hell and we talked a little bit about Satan and how we misunderstand who he is and where he is, you know, at this time in the Bible and in life, you know, that he's operating from the air as the God of this world until mid-trib where he's thrown to earth, thrown down to earth by God himself. But we've got to understand about hell. And there is a great misunderstanding about hell, Dina. And so I want to try to explain it. We've got a one word in our Bible, and it's hell. But the Greek translation has two words for hell. Did you know that? I did not know that. Right. There are actually two words. One is Hades and Gehenna. Okay? So you may have heard those words oh, in the past. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We pretty much lump everything together into one thing called hell, whereas the Greeks were more, you know, specific about Hades and Gehenna. And so are they two separate locations? Yes, they are. And so knowing that, we can pretty much understand more clearly what's going on. So Hades is basically when people are the bad people, so to speak, when they die and they die in their sin, apart from the salvation of Jesus Christ, they go to Hades, okay? So... Hades is a kind of a holding place, if you will. It's a not a pleasant place, I'm sure. I, I'm not. No, they're not. They don't have a resort running down there, and you know they're not all partying together. No way. But I would say that it's kind of like the local jail, whereas Gehenna is more like the penitentiary. The you know what I'm saying. <laughs> if there's any way to look at it but uh, they're held in hades which is i'm sure a place of torment and terror okay because people 
when people see hell, they call it hell, they're seeing Hades, okay? All these testimonies of I went to hell and I saw hell, they're seeing Hades. Gehenna is the lake of fire. And so as far as I know, I don't know anybody that's, you know, talking about they've actually been in the lake of fire, which is Gehenna. And Gehenna is the second death, Dina. Mm -hmm. So it's like the person dies twice if they're evil. The first death is their physical death where their soul is separated from their body. They go into this place of torment called Hades. And during the thousand reign of Jesus and the period of time left remaining in the earth before that, whether it be seven years or however long we've got, they are in this place of torment. And then they go out the end of the thousand year reign of Jesus. They are judged at the great white throne judgment. And they are judged by their work of evil that they did while they were in the earth. And when Jesus, who is the judge, not the father, but Jesus, judges them and I have also read, you know, that the humans will also judge angels. We've read that. So we're not 100% clear on that part. But I will say this, that then when it's clear that their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then they are sent to their second death, which is Gehenna. And Gehenna is the lake of fire. And that is where they burn endlessly and there is no getting out. It's eternal. There's no getting out. It's forever burning. And people say, oh, you know, God wouldn't do this. I'm like, well, (laughs) it's right here in the scripture. You know, some people, I think, take pens and delete these sections out and then say it's not in there. But, you know, it can't be denied. It's in here. So I want to talk a little bit about the goal of Satan for everyone. Okay, let's hear it. The goal of Satan is for the individual to not be saved by Jesus's salvation and not to be surrendered to the will of the Father and not to have the filling of the Holy Spirit and not to repent for their sin. His goal is to get every human being to basically commit all of the Ten Commandments. Now, if you don't believe that the Ten Commandments are in effect, then you need to go back and watch our video of the Ten Commandments, which prove that every one of the Ten Commandments are alive and well in effect in the New Testament. Not the Old Testament, but the New Testament talks about all ten. And here's what the devil wants to do. He wants you to stand before the Lord, and everyone will. Everyone will bow their knee to the Lord and admit that Jesus is Lord and will have to give an account of their life. So every time you hear about somebody dying, my thought immediately is, well, they're, they're standing before the Lord, giving an account of their life. Okay, so here is what Satan, who is the accuser, wants you to have happen is that he can goes right down the list. Okay, and says this individual committed adultery. Now, the person is going to go, no, I was never in an adulterous relationship. And but it's going to be said of them, well, if you even thought of a woman in a lustful way, you committed adultery in your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then they'll go on and say, well, what about stealing? Well, I didn't really steal. Well, if you coveted something in your heart, you stole in your heart. Okay. And then it'll go on about murder. Well, I never actually killed anyone. No, if you so much as hate a brother, you've already killed him in your heart. 
So on and on and on. It's really about the heart, okay? And even blaspheme. You know, if you think evil in your heart without even saying the word, you are blaspheming. So our thought life can be judged. And that's why we so desperately need the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to repent of our sins. We're born into a fallen world. From the moment we, you know, give our first breath, we are fallen. We're cursed. And until we get to the point where God draws us to the Lord Jesus for salvation, the Holy Spirit is the one that draws. And we, if we keep rejecting that drawing, we're, we're going to be in danger of committing the unforgivable sin, which is... If you deny Jesus enough, you won't be forgiven because without his salvation, you cannot be forgiven. And so what I'm saying here is the enemy wants you to be able to stand before the Lord and have committed against God all of his commandments, the Ten Commandments, which are now written on the heart of the individual who comes to the Lord. And so we see this in the scripture in Matthew 15, 19. This is not Old Testament. What I'm about to read is New Testament. Let me read it. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And this is in Matthew 15, 19. So right there, your heart will condemn you. So if you stand before the Lord and you may have never touched anything, You might have never murdered. You might have never committed an adultery with someone and on and on. But your heart will condemn you, your thoughts, your thought life, your evil thought life. And so that is exactly why we need to surrender our life fully over to the Lord Jesus. And he alone, through his blood-bought salvation, can A, save us and, and deliver us into the right to return back to the will of the Father. Because without the will of the Father, we're doomed. And that's what most of the churches are not teaching. They're not saying, oh, you need to go forward and surrender your own will back to the will of the Father. Well, that's exactly what got lost in the Garden of Eden. When Satan tempted Eve and Adam to eat of the tree, well, what they did was they entered into their own will. Because he said, you'll be as God, you know, just like little gods. Well, God has his own will, and he was tempting them to have their own will. So they took their own will. But it's not God's will. It's not the will of the Father. And it's an evil will. And that's what we're cursed with. We all have our own will. And this is what Jesus came and died for, to give us the privilege to go back to the will of the Father. And so Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden because they had their own will. And Jesus came, and he's bringing us back. He's bridging us back to the will of the Father. We have that privilege, and most people don't go there. Most people don't go forward and ask to exchange their own evil will with the will of the Father, which means you've got to surrender it all. And that's, you know, when we talk about, in the last video, we talked about Matthew 25, the five virgins who are locked out, they can't get in because they have partial oil lamps. They have not gone full board and surrendered to the will of the Father. And that's exactly what Satan is banking on, because they'll be spit out by Jesus, okay? And so that's how this all comes together. It's a very evil plan of the enemy to trip everybody up, and everybody's pretty much falling into it. And so this is what we're trying to say. We're trying to show everyone that the lake of fire 
is what everyone who goes against God and does not surrender to the will of the Father through the salvation of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit and repentance and remorse for, you know, operating in your own evil will, then ultimately you will be landing first in Hades for a period of torment of potentially a thousand years. And then after that, you will face God in the great white throne judgment and a second death and be thrown into the lake of fire for eternity. And there's no getting out. And there's no getting out with good behavior. No such thing. Not even. And so that's the difference between Hades and Gehenna, which is not separated in our English Bibles, by the way. And so I think that's real important that we understand that. And ultimately, false prophets and Satan and the Antichrist, who are the evil trinity, will end up in Gehenna. Okay, so now we know Gehenna has to do with the lake of fire, which is the second death, which is interesting because this is where they suffer for eternity. There's no getting out. And so I want to talk about the fact that there are degrees or levels of punishment according to one's acceptance of the word of God, or I would say exposure to the light while they were in the earth. And let me give you scripture to support what I'm saying. So we take a look at Matthew 23:14. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Okay, so that is a significant scripture because the word greater is important. It, it doesn't say you shall receive the damnation. It actually literally says a greater damnation. So that indicates that they are going to receive a higher level of punishment in the next life which for them would be hell. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at Matthew eleven twenty four, which supports the scripture I just read about the Pharisees. And this says that it talks about that it shall be more tolerable or bearable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for Capernaum. Okay, so we know Sodom were evil because God blasted them and took them out for their evil. But look here, he literally says that it's going to be easier for those in hell from Sodom than Capernaum. Now, what happened in Capernaum that would put them in a greater damnation like the Pharisees? Well, because they had access to Jesus Christ who visited their city and preached to the people. And so they had more access to the light than, say, you know, someone in the bush, right, who was living in the jungle and had no access to Jesus. So there are levels of punishment based on your resistance to the truth and how much access you had to the truth and how much you resisted it. So ultimately, you will end up cast into hell. And so my word for today if I could say anything with regard to this, is you better find out fast if you are lukewarm or not. Because the lukewarm, Jesus says he spews them out of his mouth. And and when it says they're lukewarm, it means that they have a partial 
understanding of the Bible. They're religious. They call themselves Christians, and they have access to the Bible. And yet they're declared to be lukewarm by the Lord, and he literally spews them out of his mouth when they stand before him. And that's not a good look. That means they're going to go to hell. But right here in what the scripture I just pointed out, that their punishment in the next life is going to be way worse than someone who didn't have the same sort of access to the word of God and to Jesus Christ. And so let this stand as a serious warning. If you are a Christian and you're just dabbling in a relationship with the Lord, you better get serious. And I'm I'm serious. The scripture is here. It supports this and it's time to get serious. And Dina will put a link below that you can go to that we did uh, about the a video about the lukewarm church and I implore you to check that out. And so Dina, that is uh, where I'm going to leave this now. We're going to wrap this up. That's our teaching for now on the topic of hell and the enemy. All right. Well, that may have surprised some people about hell and what the Bible has to say about it. I think it's a good thing that we know specifically what the Bible says because that's the standard that we go by, not hearsay from other people. So anyway, I'm glad that we took a closer look at these topics. It's, it's definitely a topic that we need to know more about as Christians and understand. And in fact, sadly, so many churches today don't even want to broach the subject of Satan and hell. That's why, you know, we wanted to take a, a closer look at what scripture says. So thanks for joining us on this program and hope to bring more exciting information to you soon. Yes. And Susan, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. You can find this video on um, our YouTube channels, Marriage Supper of the Lamb and Dina Amelia Calmetta, as well as our Rumble channels under Jesus 24-7 and also on BitChute. And you can also find it on podcast, Google, Apple, and Spotify. So also make sure to come visit us on Twitter and on our Facebook page, The Jesus 24-7 Show. Also, so Susan has a new website. It's uh, endtimesprophecycatalog.com. So it's right there on the screen. So come and visit her over there. Lots and lots of good stuff. She's got some free books that she authored through the Holy Spirit. Lots of other resources for your walk with Christ. Susan, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, just thanks and a big shout out to everybody that tunes into our shows every week. We thank you and we challenge you double in size if everybody just shared our video with one other person. And so we are giving you that challenge. But anyway, we thanks. Thank you for coming back. And we appreciate you very much. Right, Dina? We love all of you and we love to hear from you. So make sure to leave your comments below this video. All right, everybody, have an awesome day and God bless.